Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910 or 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show, download it, listen whenever you want to listen. It's uh, 3.09 here in the studio in Pittsburgh, 57 degrees and sunny outside. It's supposed to be nice this weekend. Enjoy it. You know, we dipped down a couple of nights this this uh, week. We had some rain and, you know, it's 50s and 60s and sunny. I'll take that at this point in the year. First week in November. Friday, November 3rd, 2023. Do you have any plans this weekend? Let's hear about them. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Tell us, uh, you know, what you're going to do this weekend. I am going to be at the Blue Star Mothers of NEPA, NEPA here. For some reason, I'm not being able to talk. I'm not able to talk today. The Blue Star Mothers of NEPA Hero 5K Run Walk tomorrow. It's uh, going to be held in the Tinkanic Little League Fields on Sunnyside Road. The packet pickup is from 8 to 9.45. They'll have... Uh, on-site registration if you want to show up. DJ basket raffles. The race will begin at uh, 945. Well, the race uh, instructions to the runners at the starting line at 945. The race starts at 10, 10 a.m. And then after, there'll be a brief Veterans Day program awards and raffle drawings. So if you're looking for something to do tomorrow and you're in the Tacanic area, head over to the... Uh, Tacanic Little League Fields on Sunnyside Road at 8 o'clock, and you can sign up for this race. I'll be there. Say hello if you happen to be there. I will be a spectator at this race. Maybe I'll walk it. I don't know. But my wife is running it, so she will be there as well. Got to go to support this event and support her. We have a really good—I'm I'm truly looking forward to today's show. At 4 o'clock, at the 4 o'clock hour, we have Commander Kirk Leopold. U.S. Navy retired. He was the commanding officer of the USS Cole when it was attacked in 2000, killing 17 sailors and injuring 37 more. His bio is just incredible. During his command, his he and his crew distinguished themselves by saving the American warship from sinking that day, where a 40-foot hole was put in by suicide terrorist bombers. In the off of Yemen, in the port of Aden, the event was uh, widely recognized as the most brazen acts of terrorism by Al Qaeda prior to September 11th. Uh, he's a 1981 Naval Academy graduate who also attended the Navy Postgraduate School, earning a Master's of Science in Systems Engineering. He's also a graduate of the United States Army Command and General Staff College and the Joint Forces Staff College. He served as the administrative aide to the Secretary of the Navy. And we're going to get his take not only you know, on his time as commander and officer of the USS Cole and what happened that day, but the recent interdictions in the Red Sea by the USS Kearney, another Arleigh Burke-class destroyer similar to the USS Cole, when they took down multiple guided missiles and uh, drones. And with two carrier battle groups and a Marine Expeditionary Unit in the area, what he foresees is, is what's happening there. So his military expertise, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard him speak. He was 
just the other day when when we were confirming that he was going to be here with us today at 4 o'clock. He was on Fox News talking about the same. And uh, you don't want to miss it. So if you're going to be around at 4, 405, 407-ish, probably 407-ish, uh, you're going to want to check this out. Um, we're probably going to have mom for a little bit, but you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Also, in our area, and if you're familiar with the you know the schedule of the show, I try to do a lot of local stuff up front, you know, from that three to four hour, just to keep you updated on what's going on in our area, just in case you're not in tune, you know, with the newspapers or what's going on locally in our news, or can get past the paywalls on these uh, news sites. I uh, I understand that. It's a hard time for media organizations. But these paywalls, I just don't get these paywalls. You'd get a, a whole lot more interaction, probably more advertising and customers if you let people actually read the stuff, the local news that's out there. But we've been talking about this since day one. And this new, they're calling it an escalation, but this new revelation into the investigation to the Lackawanna County Office of Youth and Family Services investigation really, to me, puts the nail in the coffin on why there needs to be a leadership change at this agency. Lackawanna County had uh, reason to believe in 2020 that an Office of Youth and Family Services supervisor endangered the life of an infant found dead that summer new filed court records reveal. One of the workers that have now been charged in the most recent event potentially lied during an August 2020 meeting investigating the death of a six-month-old that month. The County Human Resources Department wrote, Coyne also may have ignored troubling behavior by putting the baby's mother by the baby's mother months before the infant's death. And they're talking about Sadie Coyne O'Day, one of the defendants in the most recent Office of Youth and Family Services. And based on subpoena documents that they've gotten, they've been reviewing, they found this case back in 2020 where a six-month-old had died that was under, inv- under investigation by the Office of Youth and Family Services. The same individual that's now being charged with neglect in these new cases With Coyne facing potential termination, Human Services Director William Browning instead offered her a last-chance agreement where any future infraction would mean termination. This is back in 2020. Now, mind you, a six-month-old died. She was investigating a family where a six-month-old died. And the head of Human Services Director William Browning offered her a last-chance agreement where any future infraction would mean termination. And then you add that to what's going on now, where not only was that not the case, three years later, Coyne and others from Office of Youth and Family Services are facing mounting legal scrutiny again. Well, where is that termination? Where is that, hey, not only did they not terminate, they're paying for her legal fees at this point. The new information, which and this is great reporting from uh, 
the Times Tribune from Joseph Kohut, staff writer, and I believe it was also supported by, let me get to the bottom of this article, Chris Kelly and uh, Boris Krosinek. So really great work on their part, digging through this and getting this information together. But listen, not only, and, and every time I read these stories about this agency, because you have the, the county leadership, the commissioners circled the wagons around these individuals, knowing good well because Director William Browning, who's still in charge there, not only is he still in charge, but his duties have been expanded under this new health department. In 2020, a child died that was they were supposed to protect. And even after that, the director, William Browning, said, yeah, you got a last chance agreement. But if something else happens, you're going to be terminated. And now here we are, three years later, with these new allegations. New information, this new information, which has not been publicly reported before, was contained in a search warrant filed Thursday by detectives with Scranton Police and the Lackawanna County District Attorney's Office. Investigating alleged child endangerment committed by the Office of Youth and Family Services. District Attorney Mark Powell said Thursday that the warrant speaks for itself and declined to comment. Now, we've talked about the uh, coin, this, this worker, and five others that were arrested in June, accused of endangering eight children at three homes by ignoring deplorable conditions. This specific employee is charged for handling two Officer Youth and Family Services cases. This child's case from 2020 is not included in that as of yet. The new filed search warrant represents a dramatic escalation in the investigation. For the first time, the death of a child has factored into the ongoing inquiry. No one from Office of Youth and Family Services faces criminal charges in connection with this child's death. Again, this was a search warrant that brought up the personnel history involved with this. Attorney Chris Caputo, representing Office of Youth and Family Services, said Thursday all law enforcement requests for records met with complete compliance. And he said he was uh, unaware of the new filings, which he characterized as bullying. That's what... I mean, I understand it's your job to defend this organization, but a child died in 2020. The director of that department sat down with the employee who was overseeing the welfare of that child and said, you should be terminated, but we're going to give you a last chance effort. But if you do another thing, you're going to be terminated. Now we find out these recent cases. There's incompetence across the board here at this organization. And the, the county commissioners who are supposed to be overseeing this for the taxpayers of the county should be ashamed of themselves. It, it's getting harder. and Well, two of them are walking out the door like we talked about yesterday. But it's getting harder and harder to support any of them. Bullying? I mean, you're the taxpayers of Lackawanna County. The, the, that's half that are listening out there from Lackawanna County. 
Don't you think this is relevant information that one of the people, one of the five that have been charged recently at the Office of Youth and Family Services had this incident in 2020 where a child died that she was supposed to be protecting? That she gave custody back to the mother and then the child ended up dead and was warned for her job by the now then head and now head of an expanded role, William Browning? Her personnel file was part of the subpoena, which is why they have this information now. And it contained a letter notifying Coyne of due process hearing scheduled September 18th, 2020 in her role in this child's case, the six-month-old that died. According to the filings, Office of Youth and Family Services received a referral about a premature baby Briella, on February 26, 2020, a day after the baby was born. Days later, they received another referral about the baby's mother, whose escalating behaviors included disappearing for long periods of time, aggressive handling of the newborn, and co-sleeping with the baby. They state they also, she also suffered from mental health and substance abuse issues, according to the filings. The county believe the circumstances possibly reached the threshold of removal of the child, but Coyne, the worker, approved the baby's release to her mother. About six months later, Briella was dead and the mother was in custody. The mother admitted to police she spent the evening of August 7, 2020, drinking and smoking marijuana and fell asleep with the baby in her bed. When she awoke, the baby's nose was bloody and she was cold to the touch. She was not breathing. Autopsy found that the baby asphyxiated. Co-sleeping with her mother was to blame. Basically, the mother smothered her child when she was incapacitated and drunk and high that night. Blood tests found methamphetamine, benzodiapine, and marijuana in the mother's system. Police arrested the mother and her boyfriend. Both were charged with child endangerment. Nearly a week after the baby's death, Coyne, the worker from Office of Youth and Family Services, sat for an investigatory meeting, and the county found reason to believe she had been dishonest about certain aspects. This is from their own paperwork, including what she told an emergency service worker and how she designated Brielle's case, according to a search warrant. The county also said it believed that she may have ignored criteria to determine whether a threat to safety exists and failed either to remove the child or execute a safety plan. She was issued a suspension. And the head of that organization, Browning, William Browning, instead offered her a last chance agreement where any future infraction would mean termination. Has she been terminated? They're paying for, we're paying for a lawyer for her. It appears if this group of county commissioners will not do their jobs, any incoming majority of county commissioners, if they do not get rid of William Browning as one of their first jobs, they need to be questioned then. This is outrageous, this type of stuff. And again, great reporting, great work by the Scranton Police Department and the District Attorney's Office, and great reporting by the Times Tribune here.
It's 324 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 320, almost 329 here in the station, 57 degrees and sunny. Just talked about a very serious incident here in our area that the taxpayers of Lackawanna County, since they are funding this entire thing, and instead of dealing with the issue at hand, this, this is the text message I get, change child and youth to any police department with the same circumstances and you're quiet. How many kids died under police protection? Again, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? And the numbers are not what you think they are, by the way. And I said, you know, it's your assumptions. But nice deflection to avoid accountability for the topic at hand. But if ever a child dies in the Scranton police custody, I'll be sure to discuss it. Why wouldn't I? I discuss the incident in Memphis where the group of officers beat the individual. Held them accountable from moment one. Got a lot of flack from it. I was on Fox News that day talking about it live when the body camera came out. So, and, you know, this whole thing where the false rhetoric out there where police are indiscriminately shooting unarmed kids and unarmed kids of color especially. And, you know, I pulled that data for you. And, and I understand we're talking about all deaths, but, you know, just use of firearms death where you have politicians and these grifters looking for money and then Black Lives Matter saying that the police are indiscriminately gunning down children all across America, children of color all across America. Do you know how many black children under the age of 18 were unarmed and shot by the police last year? One. And he was high on methamphetamine, beating his girlfriend and his two friends and her two friends naked. He was tased. Multiple non-lethal means were attempted and ended up going for the officer's gun and was being sh- and had to be shot. So it, the numbers aren't what you think they are. So, But let's stick to the facts here. Let's stick. To, I, I understand you want to deflect. You're probably a county worker. You're probably related to one of these officer family use. Maybe, maybe William Browning himself. And, and I understand, you know, instead of accountability, where if there was accountability back in 2000, would we be in the same position we are now? Probably not because it's the leadership that needs to be held accountable here. It's, they've shown that they are incompetent to manage an organization such as this that does very serious work. And, and I'm not going to go as far as saying at all that this woman is responsible for that child's death. No, not, not even. Not, no, not even. The parents, the mother of this child who was high, had all sorts of issues and slept with a child and smothered her. That's the one to blame here. But as far as paying for this woman's salary as a taxpayer of Lackawanna County, as far as her not having a job in this field anymore because her judgment has been questioned. As a matter of fact, it was questioned by her own supervisor saying if she does anything again, she'll be terminated. Well, in fact, they didn't terminate her. They gave her $10,000 of taxpayer money to support her recent case. So, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, um, I do not blame the Office of Youth and Family Service worker for this child's death. I do blame her for not protecting that child, for not doing her job properly. And obviously, the department did as well because they reprimanded her. They suspended her. So she obviously didn't do the right things. But now, for that to happen again, and for our county commissioners to say, well, let's give her $10,000 to support her criminal case. Currently, even though we know this, the, the kind of past she's had, instead of saying, hey, that's that, 
You were warned back in 2000, this is the last straw. If you are found not guilty at the end of this, apply for your job back, and we'll look, we'll talk about it then. But as of now, you do no longer have a job. That's how you handle these things, which is probably one of the reasons they can't get good employees to work here, because look at the structure that this place is from the commissioners down. It needs to be cleaned out. It's uh, 3.33 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 3.39 here at the station, 57 degrees and sunny. Got a text message here. Rob, Kerry Kimmick Browning was one of the most diligent, caring caseworkers I've ever had. I raised three nieces. She spoke for tuition deduction at Catholic schools so I could afford it. How many foster children did you raise, detective? Well, the last time I checked, Kerry Kimmick Browning was not um, a party to these lawsuits, was she? Not accused of anything. And I've said time and time again, there are many good workers there. I know there are. And if she is William Browning's husband, and it says husband can't fall far from the tree, well, that's an assumption on your part from his leadership, lack of leadership abilities that I've seen even proven more so from here. I tend to differ there. And he may, in fact, be a good caseworker, but he may not be a good director. My opinion, which I'm allowed to have, and again, this caseworker that you're bringing up isn't accused of anything and not there. I'm saying these individuals that were. Now, this one that I was talking about today has been accused back in 2000 of being negligent where a child died, not causing the child's death, like I said, where a child died, and this most recent events. So obviously there's a problem there. Are you going to say that there's just no problem there? That these things shouldn't be investigated? That there should not be accountability? There's a reason why this county is having more trouble than most counties to hire these types of workers. Yes, Luzerne County had their issues. They had trouble hiring people as well. They've brought in new leadership who is doing a better job in attracting people. So, again, I don't get your deflection with your text message. And I'm glad that she helped you. I'm glad she's a good caseworker. Lackawanna County needs great children and youth caseworkers. I hope we have them and find them. I shouldn't say I hope we have them. I know we have them. They're in a poor structure. They're in a toxic environment. I get the feedback from the workers that are there. They text here also. But I'm glad you had a successful experience, and that's why I brought it up, because not I'm not lumping every single caseworker at this department in this. But the ones that are there, where legal experts say they just don't understand why the county is paying for their legal fees at this point, it's questions that need answering. And if the county commissioners are not going to ask these questions and be settled with a, what, a three-page, 15-point plan, then so be it on them. But again, I don't understand you bringing up someone that I was not even discussing. I was discussing her husband, if they, if they are related, but it appears they are from your next text. And how can a husband not fall far, far from the tree? I, yeah, I just don't get what you're saying there. But I'm glad you had a good experience, and I'm glad that this caseworker worked well for you. And I hope we find more to do that job rather than the news articles we are getting out of what's going on there with some of the workers. To move on from that, if you are looking, if you have a high school age child 
boy, girl, it doesn't really matter. That's really not sure what they want to do or, or truly look at these trade schools. I just saw this article with the record enrollment in Johnson College expanding its facility for HVAC and electrical technology. There, There is truly a world is your oyster opportunity if you go through one of these trade schools, a good trade school that gives you these they're, they're so much in demand it's not even funny. It's actually going to start crippling us there in that much demand. I mean, if you just look at the stories we've said this week about the uh, electric vehicle chargers, there are not enough repair people with electrician background to service them. But if you have a child that's teetering between, hey, do I go to college? Do I do something else? Do I join the military? Really give these trade schools a hard look because I'm telling you, some of them are 18-month programs, two-year programs. Some of them are four-year programs. You're making $40, $50, $60 an hour to the day you graduate. It's truly a way to go, and I just want to stress, if, if you have someone that's really not sure, you know, instead of going to college to just take anything, to have a 13th year of high school, don't do it. Really try to show them the opportunities. Visit these schools. See the opportunities that are out there. Speak to them. If you have a tradesman, come to your house. If you have an electrician, a plumber, or someone, contractor, come to your house. Talk to them and say, hey, they'll tell you. We got more work than we can handle. You know, We're turning away more jobs than we're accepting. But I just really want to push you in, in that direction. If, if you are unsure or have a, a teenager that's unsure what they want to do, the trades are truly a viable option. It's 344 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show. WILK News Radio. It's 347 here. 57 degrees and sunny. Body shop, body shop guy said body shops are the exception, though. How can I pay someone a great wage when the insurance companies are only paying me 58 to $62 an hour? Body shop guy. Well, if they became body shop guys themselves, then they would be making $58, $62 an hour. But I understand... You know, if you're getting more work than you can handle yourself, you have to get crew in there, and it does cut in. And uh, but if you take on more work, then the insurance companies are giving you more of that fifty-eight to sixty-two dollar an hour. You could bring someone else in, but I get what you're saying. To hire help is expensive, especially when you run your own business, and most body shops are just that. Well, the House Republicans passed a $14.3 billion Israel aid bill, which is setting up a fight with the Senate and Biden. Now, they want this Omni bill. And, and mind you, just to put it out there, it's 14 days until the government shuts down. And I haven't heard anywhere talking about it. But the current continuing resolution expires on November 17th. And we're going to have to start talking about that somewhere. So the House did what they said they'd do. They individualized the bills. And they said, here's $14.3 billion for Israel. Let's deal with that first. Then we can talk about Ukraine. Now we can deal with other things. The senators already said that it's dead on arrival. So does that mean we do nothing for Israel? But these conglomerate bills, some of them having nothing to do with each other. Again, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. But Ukraine and Israel have nothing to do with each other. And it's funny, I saw Cory Bush, Representative Cory Bush, who, who's a, for a ceasefire, is against the, the war in Israel, but not so much the war with Ukraine and Russia. So she said that she was sent to 
Washington to save lives, not take lives. She is not voting for any funding bill that supplies bombs to Israel to kill children and families in Gaza. Well, how come you don't have that? And I understand if that's your stance, if that's your moral line, then where is that with Ukraine and Russia? So. But the legislation includes a cut here of $14.3 billion from the Internal Revenue Service to offset the Israel spending. Now, again, it's got to come from somewhere. We don't have that unlimited money tree. And, of course, they go right away, well, you're going to cost us billions of dollars and bankrupt America if we don't. All those rich po- all those rich uh, people out there beating the system, we need the IRS to get them. I, is there that many rich people beating the system? I mean, has the IRS been that bad? The bill cut IRS funding directly goes against Biden's legislative win with the Inflation Reduction Act namely a $80 billion increase in the IRS funding. So out of the $80 billion that was given, they're only taking the $14.3 billion back to pay for this new issue in the Middle East. But Senate Democrat Majority Leader Chuck Schumer already blasted the House spending measure, said it's totally unserious and woefully inadequate package because they want the larger amount that requests $61 billion for Ukraine, it's a war against Russia, and $14 billion for Israel, and about $14 billion for U.S. immigration problems. Well, until I see a plan of this administration actually taking immigration problems seriously, why would we give them $14 billion more money? Are we actually going to shut down? They can do it. They've done it before. The Border Patrol agents, the Border Patrol chiefs, the assets they have in place could shut down the border in probably two weeks. Some experts say even less. But they want $14 billion more for immigration problems to what? Give cities more money to take care of the illegals that are already here? I mean, are you, the listeners out there, the taxpayers against these single-subject bills. Shouldn't shouldn't all the subjects that go through, especially spending subjects that go through our Congress, be single-subject? I mean, why would these things be 10,000 pages that cover everything from, you know, grasshopper treadmills to uh, national defense? So I applaud the single-measure bill. Now it could be debated. Let's talk about things here. One of the main things here in America, because this this is now a national security issue. We're going to talk about some cases here in America just before the 5 o'clock hour, hour, where the FBI made a recent arrest of someone who was going to commit something here on our homeland. Extremely scary, extremely serious. Someone who shouldn't be here as well. But, you know, they had the app and they got a date and they said... They overstayed their welcome and applied for asylum. Hey, I know I'm here illegally. I'm just going to apply for asylum and got a a date, I believe, in 2025. And in the meantime, was looking to do a massacre here on our homeland. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about that later. So, yeah, I'm all for money to secure our border because 
they're already here, people who want to harm us. This case example, this this case in point is an example. But what would you like to see as far as what's going on there in Washington? I mean, Biden proposed a $100 billion spending package for Israel, Ukraine, and, and more. That says more, coupling support in the, of the nations in one request. The, IRA, the House uh, spending measure passed Thursday says it will pay for Israel funding by cutting spending on the IRS. The U.S. Congressional Budget Office scored the legislation, reporting that because of lower IRS revenue collection over the next decade, because of those proposed cuts, the measure would actually add $26.7 billion to the deficit in the next 10 years. Now, how is that? Because we just added $80 billion to the IRS. And taking $14 billion away is somehow going to cost us $26.7 billion? I mean, didn't we just stock them with a lot of people and a lot of money? Don't get it. It's... uh. 3.55 here at WILK. Time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Well, Jeff Bezos is leaving Seattle for Miami after nearly 30 years of founding Amazon there and building up the Seattle area as a tech base for the nation. He just said he's had enough. He's uh, leaving his birthplace of e-commerce giant Amazon and a heartfelt post and heading to Miami for warmer weather. He uh, grew up in Miami, but wrote he's making a switch back to the Sunshine State to be closer to his parents. So we'll see what happens. We're going to be back after the 4 o'clock hour with Commander Kirk Leopold. Talk about uh, what's going on in the world as far as uh, these terror threats. We'll be back.